Okay, so today, uh, welcome to episode two. Today I'll be mainly having a front center on uh, the guests from last episode, Hiroko and my mom. Um, and we'll mainly be getting more into the fear-free things, few objective questions, but mainly diving deeper into the fear-free. Last episode, we kind of dipped our toes in the water, and now we're diving in. We're getting in on the meat and potatoes of we're going in and we're going to learn about the best way to treat your dog. Okay, so what would you say are the main fundamentals of Fear Free? Okay, so Fear-Free's mission is to prevent and alleviate fear, anxiety, and stress in pets by inspiring and educating the people who care for them. What would you say is wrong with that Caesar Milan-esque, hold him down, get done, that traditional methodology for dog training or grooming? Yeah, so I think you're talking about the punishment-based method. So it simply will damage relationships and neg negatively impact the dog behaviors. It is proven by recent science studies as well. So please refer to Why Force Free from Alberta Force Free Alliance. Or, you know, if you encounter the other dogs and they could start to fight too. So it's yeah. important to just uh, get a control. So it really doesn't matter short or long leashes, but as long as you're controlling, with the leash with your dog. I think that is fine. Okay. Would you say that there is such a thing as a bad dog by nature? I don't think there is such a thing as a bad dog. I think that some dogs get a tough start at life and they haven't been treated well by humans around them. Maybe they were subject to negative training methods, shock collars or other abuses. Um, and that can really make it hard for dogs. And sometimes that results in behaviors that we as humans don't really like to see. But I think that um, even dogs in that situation can be rehabilitated and that we as humans can work with them to make their life as good as possible. So I don't think there's a bad dog. I think there's some bad training methods that can have negative consequences, but there aren't bad dogs. When would you say is it too late to switch to fear free? if at all? Mm -hmm. This is a good question. So I think it's never too late. It just, um, it's just that, that there could be a limitations on how much animal could recover from past negative experiences, depending on their personality and how negative the traumatized, uh, trauma, traumas are. But we can always approach fear-free methods to prevent creating further aversions and anxiety. I think that's more important. What are the main ideas of Fear Free in your speciality grooming? Yeah, so that um, any ages and status of animals are able to receive grooming within their comfort zone and will be able to gain trust and confidence for the future grooming sessions. What are the main premises of Fear Free? 
I would say that the benefits of fear-free first and foremost are that you develop a really strong relationship with your dog. They're not afraid of you. They trust you and rely upon you as a human that they know only good things will come from. So you don't damage that relationship between you and your dog. And that results in more um, snuggles, more close time, but also just in terms of times where, you know, maybe you need to do something to your dog, like take them to the vet. They might not like it, but they trust you. And so I'd say the biggest benefit of Fear Free is building that trust. Why would you say people often resist the Fear Free approach? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. So I think you really, you know, you're right when it's just kind of not in the mainstream. It's like, um, you know, we don't think about the animal's emotional state the same way um, that when you're, when you're, when you're immersed in fear-free, like you can't unsee that after you know about it. So yeah. because it's just not mainstream, the other thing, it's just, you know, more and more vet clinics are becoming fear-free certified, but it's not the mainstream dogs will go into a vet clinic. The animals will be, you know, on slippery surfaces, or they'll be really scared. And look at that study where vet students don't read the more subtle signs. So I think that it's, um, we're also, we want what we want when we want it, right? Mm -hmm. At whatever cost. <laughs> so if we need to get something done, and like one of the fear-free mandates is if it's not necessary, if it's not life or death, can we wait? Can we wait? Can we build up some trust? Can we give yeah. the animal a break? And so I feel like inherently we're not patient. We just yeah. want to get it done. I yeah. want to get the nails yeah. trimmed. I want to bath the dog. I want what I want. So it's not fast and, and we like fast. Hmm. I don't, you know what the most difficult part of the fear-free process for me is getting people to buy into it. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> That's more mind numbing to me. I love, like, I love, it's like, I always say to students, you know, it's kind of like, it's not the sexy stuff. It can be like watching paint dry, but oh, yeah. when you kind of geek out and you're working with the, the learner, like the, you know, say it's Kona and there's a rhythm and a trust and a connection that happens. So yeah, nothing's boring about it to me. The mind numbing part is, and it's not even mind numbing because I'm a fan of people and, and, and my job is, you know, to inspire people and, and have them become interested in, in something like fear free, but yeah, it would be the, a resistance from people to fear free. Yeah. What would you say is the most difficult part about the fear free process? The hardest part about the fear free process is it really takes a long time. Uh, none of this stuff happens overnight. And, you know, it's not a magic solution like you see on TV with Caesar Milan, or even like you see with like a shock collar, where you get an immediate response and change in behavior. The hardest part about it is that you have to work on it day in and day out. And sometimes some of the things take a really, really long time to implement. But um, in my opinion, the benefits are well worth it. What would you say the benefits of Fear Free are? I'd say the main premise of fear-free is all about having 
the interactions with your dog being positive experiences for your dog. So in terms of the training in Fear Free, it's all about positive reinforcement, not negative punishment-based training. Um, when we go for walks, it's about positive experiences for your dog, uh, looking at it from their perspective and recognizing that they want to explore and smell and sniff. When we're talking about food and what we feed them, it's about, again, creating a positive environment, letting them use um, use the toys and use the puzzles and use a Kong to try to get a more enriching and exciting experience. So I would say that the main premise of Fear Free is really creating in all respects, a positive and enriching experience for your dog. Uh, can you name for me a training method that is popular that you wish people would just stop using? Like if you could snap your fingers and it would cease to happen, what training method would that be? Uh, I think all of the punished methods, including verbally and with tools, because I believe it is very neglective and not respectful towards other lives. I feel those methods represent human ego and that uh, pressing force towards weak status living beings. Okay, and that has been episode two of the Doggy Podcast. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Um, and I think that's all for this episode. Uh, personal thanks to everyone who was on the show. These are the going to be the current only two episodes. I may decide to continue this later on, but I've had a pretty good time doing this project, and I might continue it later on because I still got tons of research, maybe schedule some more interviews. But this is the final episode for right now. Thank you very much.